This is February 2nd, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome back to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. I hope you guys are having a great day, uh, a great week. I cannot believe that it's February. <laughs> I am stunned that it's February. It's almost been a year since COVID got here. A year, or a year since COVID shut everything down. Obviously, COVID's been here for now over a year, but just crazy that it's already February. Normally, this would be like, you know, the dog days of, of the, of the season. And instead this year, it's still kind of the beginning. So the dog days are like, you know, a few weeks in March. Uh, but obviously just, just happy to have hockey back and feels a little bit normal, you know, being able to talk hockey and stuff. So, uh, this week's show, I had Connor Ryan on again. Um, this week might be the most interesting episode we've done in a while. Um, and I mentioned this in the conversation that we go over two storylines in this episode that I think you're going to, are going to play out throughout the year. Um, one more than the other, probably, uh, we, we start by kind of analyzing eight games in whether or not the Bruins miss Tori Krug and Zdeno Chara, especially after have, having played Chara on Saturday and then Monday. But again, this is being recorded Monday. So the game Monday night in this pot and, and my head has not happened yet. Uh, but. We kind of get into that. Uh, Fluto Shinzawa wrote about that for the athletics. So we get into his piece on it. Uh, we get into Tori Krug's misusage with the blues. It's heinous. It is horrendous. Uh, that will stun you. Um, as it stunned me, actually, it was worse. Usually when you go look something up, you look, go look up the stats for something. It's, it's not as bad as you, you think or not as bad as you maybe remember or originally was. And it's always like, man, I kind of wish that, you know, the stats kind of proved my point. These stats are way worse than I expected, uh, and that's saying something. And then we get into Grask and whether or not we should kind of start to worry. Um, and it was measured takes. It was measured takes about Tuca. So, so don't worry. We didn't uh, we didn't go off the deep end with any Tuca takes today. But nevertheless, a very interesting episode. Before we get into it, are we ready for some football? Are we ready for some football? The Super Bowl in less than a week. In less than a week, Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes, uh, as I, as I keep saying in this most interesting Super Bowl, most interesting non-Patriot Super Bowl in my lifetime, you know, basically, uh, the current goat versus maybe the future goat, dare I say, I hate saying it, but maybe Mahomes, uh, could end up being that way later in his career, not anytime soon, but there's only one place that has you covered and one place we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code CLNS50 for your 50% welcome bonus. Again, you don't want to be the person sitting there at the Super Bowl watch party or the virtual watch party, you know, having no bets placed and and not kind of being in on the fun. BetOnline is the place for that. So many cool, uh, so many cool prop bets, so many cool game bets. Get in on it. I will be in on it. Uh, and I hope you join me. And that also there's NHL games and there's NBA games. Maybe you go bet on your Bruins. They're doing pretty well. So uh, don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action and get, don't forget to use that promo code CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And before we get into the episode, thank you for all the subscriptions to Bruins Rinkside. Continue to do so. As I said, we are working on some some things for Bruins Rinkside to uh, get you guys interacted more. So let's keep pushing Let's keep having fun over there. And I hope you guys all go uh, subscribe and join me on YouTube uh, for Bruins Rinkside. And that is that. Uh, and without further ado, here's my conversation with Connor Ryan. Hey, 
And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, nothing much. What's up with you? It's going well. Uh, I've, I've had a move, as you guys can see in, on YouTube. I've moved back uh, to my college house. So if you hear any noises in the background, you, you didn't hear anything. Uh, yes. It's, 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 uh, it's fellow kids, so to speak. Uh, but, Could have just said uh, ghosts, but... Yeah, cool. ghosts. It, it's ghosts. Ghosts are haunting this this house uh, here in Amherst, Massachusetts. But I know happy to be back, happy to uh, move back in and last semester, crazy last semester, uh, which is just, which is just nuts. But uh, obviously the Bruins stuff never stops. That, that, that continues on. That will always continue on. Um, and there's some stuff I want to get to with you today um, that I think are big storylines pertaining to this team. And obviously like, I don't just say that lightly. I don't usually say things are big uh, when they're not. Uh, I like to try to keep things, keep it real on the podcast. Um, but this series against Washington is making me see it um, when it comes to this team. And, you know, the Bruins are eight games into their season now. Uh, you guys are hearing this on a Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday. And when we recorded this, uh, the Monday night game obviously has not happened yet. Uh, that would be crazy if you we were recording this podcast at like 2 a.m. on a Tuesday. Um, but at any rate, eight games into the season, and Fluto Shinzawa had a piece in The Athletic uh, detailing how the Bruins' defense has actually improved with Chara gone. And he gets into how it's more about foot speed and, you know, Lausanne with McAvoy has been different. And, you know, they're allowing both defenders to be below the goal line, things like that, where they didn't really with Chara. Chara was a net front guy. And, you know, he writes, Char and the Capitals are 6-0-3. He looks like a good fit for Washington's system. The Bruins are 5-1-2, three points behind the Capitals. They're even harder to score against than before. So far, Char's departure has resulted in wins all around. And it got me thinking, do the Bruins miss Chara and Krug at all? Um, I mean, I, I think if you want to look at it, you know, for Chara's perspective, I, I – it's one of those situations where, you know, he leaves, goes to Washington, uh, doesn't agree with kind of what the pitch was here in Boston. Like it sucks in that regard in terms of, I think Char, if he was here as a guy who you could slot in as like, you know, a third pairing guy or a guy that you could rest on back to backs. I think that'd be great. Right. Like if you had him in the fold, obviously it's not the case. Um, and they've held up well. Is it, you know, is, has the defense as a whole held up because, you know, Lozon and Zaboral are like playing out of their minds. No, I think they've been solid. They've had, as you would expect, the ups and downs of guys kind of put into featured roles. Um, so it's been good and bad, but, um, I think you look at maybe the play of a guy like McAvoy who looks locked in right now. Kyle has been solid. Grizzly, when he's been healthy, unfortunately, hasn't been the case that much, has been great. But, um, and I think you just look at overall the Bruins structure and how I think, as Fluto said, the Bruins have been able to tweak kind of how they, how they roll their defense, how they deploy the defense. And, uh, it's led to better results and maybe better results with guys like McAvoy and some of these fast skaters as kind of the featured option. So, Again, uh, it seems like right now this isn't a situation like uh, developed down in Tampa Bay with the NFL where one party leaves and one party does a lot better than the other. It seems like it's kind of benefiting all groups right now. Again, would the Bruins like to have Chara back in a reserve role? I think they would have, but uh, they're making the most of it right now. And you look at the power play, uh, seems to be humming along just fine now. I mean, they've – 
obviously lose Grizzly to injury. McAvoy looks solid there when he, when he fills in. And also they've switched and gone to a five forward setup when they need, when they're desperate to get a, a goal across the board. So, uh, Again, when you've got guys like Pasternak back and Marchand and Bergeron, your power play is going to look pretty good regardless. So they've they've definitely, I think, been able to absorb the loss of Krug. Um, it's just in terms of, you know, without Char, that kind of minutes-eating defenseman, you might miss down the road. But, I mean, I I think a lot of people were worried once you lose – once you lost Krug and Chara that we'd be in a situation where the Bruins are winning, like, game 6-5 or something like that, and it was going to be – you know, they're going to get – you know, Tuka Rask and Yaroslav Halak were going to be, like, under siege the whole time. I think entering uh, Saturday's game against the Capitals, the Bruins were first in shots against per game. So, I mean, they've done a great job with just, you know, re- you know, getting that system in place, a defensive structure, having a lot more guys down, recovering pucks. Uh, when you've got guys like McAvoy and Kors like that can break out the puck very well, makes your job a lot easier in terms of not having those taxing D-zone shifts. So... Um, yeah, I mean, I think as a whole, both parties have to be pretty happy with how it's gone right now. Yeah, I mean, I have the numbers right here. Um, this year, the Bruins, when it, per natural stat trick, uh, 44.21 attempts allowed. That's the lowest in the league. 21.54 shots allowed, second lowest. Now, last year, uh, 53.14 chances allowed per 60. That was ninth lowest, so that mm-hmm. numbers are a lot better this year. Um, and then 26.68 shots against per 60. That was third lowest, so that is second, thirds, yeah. four line, the same thing, but it has been better. It has. I mean, I, you know, I think, and we both said this over the off season, you know, depending on who you put with McAvoy, he's not always having to break the puck out. He's not always having to go retrieve pucks. There are little things in his game that he, you know, he doesn't have to kind of fill in for Lausanne on things. I mean, Lausanne has been money thus far, like, right. and, and that was something that I think we didn't see coming. We, we were kind of worried that Lausanne was not going to be, um, the anchor that he's been for McAvoy. And he's been great. You know, Lazan's been, you know, great. And, you know, obviously they've sheltered Zaboral a ton, but, um, he's held up his, he's, you know, he's held his own. Miller's held his own. He's not injured yet. Uh, go knock on wood, Bruins fans. Um, and, you know, you have Clifton filling in well for Grizzly. So maybe this is the best case scenario and maybe things could fall apart, mm-hmm. but I feel like we're past that, you know, like we're, we're past that being, just kind of a small sample. This isn't yeah, like the like first a, three games of the season anymore. Like an assessment or seeing how it is. Like the structure is in place, right? Like it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying it's all system, right? You've got very, very talented guys in there executing, but Charlie McAvoy is a system defenseman, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I think you look at it now and be like, all right, this is what they have. You know, they're gonna have guys like Lozon and Zaboral are gonna have up and down games as we all expected. But as a whole, it's like. You're not seeing – this is like the New York Rangers, right, where, oh. you know, you look at the decor and it's a, a gamble every time you're out there. It's like the Bruins know what to do. They know, you know, where to be. There's going to be lapses as it is with even the best teams uh, in the D zone. But as a whole, you got the, the bodies in place and you got younger guys who uh, should keep on getting better and better. And that's not just even saying it's Lozon and Zaboro. Like McAvoy looks much better this year, as has been the case every single year. Uh, again, hopefully Grizzly gets back healthy, uh, in short order because, I mean, that, that pairing with him and Kahlo, those guys were taking like crazy D zone draws. They were like a shutdown option and like the ice was tilted so far in Boston's direction during that time too. Like I think it was maybe like 60% shot share or something or around that. Like it was very heavily tilted for the Bruins and I think they had under 30% 
Ozone face-off. So uh, that that pairing is really intriguing. It's a shame that we didn't get to see too much of it based on Grizzlick's, you know, bad luck. But they've got the pieces in place that, one, are executing well and should continue to get better and better as the year goes on. Yeah, that's why I don't think this is a flash in the pan. Like, I don't think we're going to see everything open up because, again, the system's in place. Everyone's getting better. You know, even Zaboral. I mean, even Jacob Zaboral, like, finally is kind of coming into into shape. And, and he obviously, he's being sheltered, but he is getting more defensive zone time, and he's holding his own. So um, I think that is looking up. Speaking of guys being used in the defensive zone, I wanted to look – I, I went and looked these numbers up because after the first two games, I think, in St. Louis – uh, I think it was Bruin Stats who tweeted out that Tory Krug was just playing mainly in the defensive zone, um, and I, I hadn't, I haven't, to be quite honest, because he's in a different division. I feel like we don't really hear much about Krug. We're not looking him up all the time. Uh, the Bruins' power play has been good, like really good, and it's clear that they haven't really missed him a ton. Um, so it's not like we're, it's not like the power play is like oh for or like you know like one for you know thirty five, and we're like oh look at what Krug's doing in St. Louis. Um, but I went and looked up the numbers, uh, you know, of face-off percentages that Tory Cruz has in St. Louis right now. And, uh, right now he's taken a total of 42 offensive zone draws, 45.71 offensive zone start percentage, uh, and 46.67 offensive zone face-off percentage. Uh, so by the way, I know these are a lot of numbers, you, you know, I'm in front of you, but those are very low amounts of offensive zone face-off percentages. And then the rates... Seven offensive zone starts per 60, 8.32 defensive zone starts per 60. So he's getting more shifts in his defensive zone than his offensive zone. Um, 18.39 offensive zone faceoffs per 60, uh, and then 21.01 defensive zone faceoffs per 60. So Borrell, main point is he's playing way more in his defensive zone. Yeah, and, which, I, and, I, and I think uh, Krug last year with the Bruins had, I, I want to say individual, it was I think maybe like, low 70s it was something crazy so I, I, I have the numbers right here it, yeah this was last year last year krug uh percentage of offensive zone starts 74.33 percent yeah. uh percentage of offensive zone face-offs 71.04 rates 12.44 offensive zone starts per 60 now he's got seven in st louis 28.46 offensive zone face-offs per 60 he's got 18.39 in st louis 11.6 defensive zone faceoffs per 60. He has uh, 21. Yeah, 21 in St. Louis. 4.29 defensive zone starts per 60. He has 8.32 in St. Louis. Main point, they are completely misusing Tory Krug. And that's a shame. That is a shame. Now, they're using Vince Dunn in that high seven or low 70s yeah. offensive zone role. And I know they like Vince Dunn. And obviously, this is a Blues podcast. But holy crap, you, they are completely misusing Tory Krug, and that is a shame because, yeah. because is, he's going to have mediocre numbers, and people are going to go, oh, he's overrated, he sucks. And it's like, no, they just completely didn't use him to the best of his ability. Yeah, no, I mean, Tory Krug's a great player, but it's like any sport. I mean, look at, like, the Patriots where they've got good guys, you know, maybe not all pros or, you know, pro bowlers, but – the Patriots have gotten the most out of guys because they know how to best execute and use them in certain situations. And when it's Tory Krug, you know, I think people look at uh, Tory Krug as like a complete, you know, wash in terms of, you know, in the D zone. Like, you no, know, he can hold his own. Like, he's not like Keith Yandel, one of these guys who's all offense, right? Like Tony Krug's, D'Angelo. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Jesus. Um, 
that's another topic for another day. Rest in peace. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, but you have to be realistic, right? Of like, if you want to best maximize Krug's strengths, you have to give him a lot of ozone draws. And it's like, again, it's also an issue with the blues, like signing him. Why I think it was so shocking. One was just, you know, the, the history between the Bruins and the blues that was shocking. But then you looked at it and you're like, where does he kind of fit in that equation for that team? Like, you're not going to sign Petrangelo. We're going to sign a guy like Krug when you spent way too much money on Justin Falk, which was a, a dipshit contract. Like that when everyone signed was like, okay, are you getting, are you signing Petrangelo? You're placing him with Justin Falk. No, we're going to sign Justin Falk to a shitty deal and then sign Krug. So you got that. You got Vince Dunn who like, Apparently he's on the trade wire, but he's a guy that, as you said, is being used as a, you know, offense only defenseman. So he's already kind of filling in the, the role that Krug had. So just because you you need to find someone to pair with a guy like Pareko, Krug is like your options being a shutdown guy. Like it's just like complete asset mismanagement if you're the Blues in terms of sticking, you know, a guy in a spot where he shouldn't be. So yeah, it's a shame for that whole situation because. Again, Krug is great when you can, you know, put him in a role which he can really succeed. And it's not saying like he's like a, a liability out there, but you're not getting the best out of this guy that you spent a shit ton of money for that you showed Alex Petrangelo the door to to put him in a role where he's not best suited. Like it's like putting it's like getting Connor McDavid. It's like we're gonna put Connor McDavid because he's a really fast skater in all D zone draws. It's like no, you're not using the play the right way, you dipshit. So that's yeah, it's just. That's- that's the thing, because like when you get a younger guy, a lot of teams will try to acclimate them into the defensive zone a little bit more. A guy like Pasternak, you know, growing up, they wanted him to get better in the defensive zone, so they had him take more defensive draws and stuff. But you know what you're getting in Krug. You didn't sign Tory Krug to have him be better in the defensive zone. You had Tory Krug signed because he's an offensive dynamo and he's an amazing power play quarterback, probably the best in the league. And that's how you're going to deploy him. Like that's why he was going to make the money, not because he could, you know be that two-way, you know, strong defenseman. It was just to be an offensive defenseman. Like, that's his whole point. That's why he made his money. And so I just find it crazy and stupid that that is how St. Louis is, is deploying him. And I, uh, I'm i disappointed. Disappointed. I'm not surprised because that is something that, like, dipshit St. Louis would do, would be to kind of misuse a guy like him. Um, and, again, it's early, so maybe they come too. Maybe Crew kind of overcomes it. But like you mentioned, Grizzlick and Carlo playing a lot of D-zone draws and kind of still having really good numbers. Krug's numbers, advanced stats-wise, are not great. I think his Corsi 4 percentage is like 45 or 46. It's not great. Um, so uh, Tory Krug just going to waste out in St. Louis. Maybe that's maybe St. Louis beats Boston again. They take Boston's you know number one commodity on defense and just you know turn them into turn them into you know worthless. But uh, I have faith that Krug will find a way to to pull around. So I'm I, I'm I'm pushing for him, and I think everyone in Boston. Pushing for him. Too good a guy not to have work out. Um, another topic I want to get to on today's show uh, is Tuka Rask. And a lot of people were questioning on Twitter uh, Rask and because, you know, the game again on Saturday night against the Caps, there were three of those four where he kind of went, that went in? Like, that went in. I mean, you had the Ovechkin shot. You had the Trevor Van, Van Riemsdyk muffin. You had um, – who scored the first goal? Backstrom. Uh, Backstrom, you had his goal. Uh, so – there were these questionable goals. You had the injury, uh, where Rask looked to pull something, uh, in the game against Pittsburgh. Um, and you know, 
with this all happening, I wanted to take a look at Rask's numbers because Rask has been really great in overtime and in these clutch situations. But I was like, I wonder how he's doing numbers wise during five on five play. And some of this, some of this is a little concerning. Um, not that bad. The team's good, by the way. The Bruins are five one and two. So it's not like this is like a dying, you know, this Rask does not need to be, need to be traded, you know, but nevertheless, these stats are not great. High danger save percentage, 0.767, 38th among goalies with at least 100 minutes played. Uh, goals saved above average, negative 2.17. That's 39th. That's not great. Um, he's only faced 26 high danger shots at five on five. That's 22nd. And the average goal distance is 27.56, which is sixth highest, um, according to natural statric. That's all according to natural statric. I know today's a very numbers heavy show. So, uh, that, that's a lot for me as well. So you guys, I feel you, but, um, should, should we be worried? Should people be worried about Rask? Um, I mean, I, I don't think so. I mean, I think you can, again, we'll, we'll be the rational, uh, take havers here and say, you can say that Tuka Rask had a bad game on Saturday. I mean, he wasn't good tracking the puck, right? There was a couple, as you said, a couple of those goals where you're like, Oh, not, not too great. So, but I mean, you can also say that he didn't look good out there, but also not hit the full panic button yet. Right. I mean, the Bruins, I've done a really good job, as you said, of negating a lot of those high danger chances uh, in and around the net when he's out there. But, um, you know, again, Tukarask one is usually a pretty slow starter anyway. How many times it's, it's helped the Bruins having a guy like Halak, where if he's in a little bit of rut to open the air, you can turn to a guy like Halak. But uh, again, Rask is usually a pretty slow starter out of the gate each season. Um, and again, I think you look at, uh, his play in overtime shootouts. Like, it's not like it's a, a situation where if, if, if a lot of these goals that you've been seeing from him were like the ones we saw on Saturday where it's, you know, uh, like a dump in or, you know, a, a, a shot where like a low danger shot and it's a repeated issue, then I'd be concerned. But, you know, I'm not going to have, you know, one game or, or one situation like that kind of cloud. What's been like, again, he's not been all rolled as you, as you noted, but I don't think he's, uh, a situation where we hit the panic button quite yet. If he starts letting up, you know, five goals in a couple of games or, or these repeated kind of low danger chances keep on sneaking through, then, then you have to be concerned. You hope that it's not maybe a, uh, an issue with his injury where it's something that he tweaked and it's kind of hampering him. Cause when I first saw, like, especially that fan reams, that goal where he wasn't tracking well, I'm like, this is, he just seemed off today. You know, that's something you have to be concerned about. So I'm not hitting the panic button yet. You'd obviously like it to be a lot better, but you'd also make the case that the Bruins probably could have been, you know, 0-3 to open the year if it wasn't for him in some of those OT games. So you you, you give and take a little bit of Rask, at least in the early goings, but I'm not, not too concerned with it for, for now. Yeah, no, I mean, and also just to put a little positive spin on it, I mean, in 18-19 – if you remember, there were people calling for Halak to start oh, yeah. the Winter Classic. Like there was, like Rask was terrible to open the year that year. Um, and then they ended up going to the cup, but, um, I do wonder if Rask is hurt. I do wonder if he's battling something and, and I'm curious, you know, I think obviously, you know, they, they use Halak quite a bit. I wonder if we start to see him a bit more. Um, you know, they had Vladar back up, uh, a game last week against the Penguins. Um, but, you do wonder if Rask is hurt and with this shortened season and things very tight in this East division, they can't afford to have him gone. Like you can't afford to have Halak in there every night and you can't afford to have the chance that the Ladar has to go in there because Ladar ain't ready and Halak is not ready to, to play the, I think the, the amount of games that Rask 
uh, is going to end up playing this year. So part of me wonders if, and this goes back to a conversation we had earlier in the year, they don't have the next guy. They don't. And that's kind of, if, if Rask is injured right now and, you know, again, he looked kind of injured in the, um, in the game that he did get injured in. And then obviously didn't look great on Saturday. Now he could come out in his next game and be just lights out money and there's no injury, right. but you do wonder if he's battling something you do have to kind of wonder. And then it goes back to, they don't have the next guy. So that I think is something interesting we have to follow. Um, is sort of, you know, is he injured? How's he feeling? You know, how much Halak ends up playing over the next week or two. I think it'd be smart to play Halak, uh, more than maybe normal. I know that I think Rask, they wanted two games a week. Um, cause it's usually about three a week in total. If they get, if they get Halak twice this week, I think that would be a very smart move. Um, just to give Rask some, some, some rest. Um, cause it does feel like maybe, maybe there is something there, but again, we don't know. We don't know. Um, cause the thing the other night when he got injured looked, I, I thought worse than, oh, yeah. like I thought, it, I thought he'd have to come out of the game. No, no problem. I mean, he couldn't yeah. even get up. Yeah. But anyways, that's the Rask take. Uh, and that, and you know, people on Twitter being like, Oh, you know, is he committed? No, it's not commitment. No, yeah. no don't worry. It's fine. It's we're not doing this season. again. We're not doing, we're not, we're not going on this pony again. Uh, but I, I don't think this is a pressing issue. Again, things are still very good in Bruins, in the Bruins world. Second place in the East, um, after the cap. So, uh, can't really hate that. Can't hate that. Uh, Connor, before I let you go, is there anything that you would like to plug? Yeah, we're going to have all, uh, coverage leading up to this week's game just starting to ramp up. Obviously got a big rematch against the Capitals. See how they kind of respond from that. Got the Flyers coming back up. Uh, we did a deep dive on some of McAvoy's play lately. Uh, it's reassuring to know that we don't have to do another dumb narrative of McAvoy can't score. Oh. We just got that out of the way. And <laughs> again, I think, you know, we, we've talked about this before of how good McAvoy is, like, in terms of driving, even strength offense, just off of his transition <laughs> game. But it's good that at least he's also, I think, on pace for like 65 points. In yes, maybe he is. <laughs> so uh, that's reassuring that, you know, people can shut up about that because he's playing out of his mind right now. So we had a breakdown on that, and we'll have a whole bunch of stuff for the rest of the week. So follow us over at bostonsportsjournal.com. Subscribe over at BSJ. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that. Now what you just mentioned the McAvoy stuff. That'll be poke the bear uh, on Wednesday that we can discuss. We can go deep into McAvoy. I'm excited for that. Uh, but at any rate, uh, this has been Bruins Beat. I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Bruins Beat listeners have an amazing rest of your week. Yeah.